I want you to write this thought down, and here's, here's really the honestly the big thought today of this whole message, and that is, there we go, Lord speaks. <laughs> write this down. God is building his church. And I want everybody just to say that with me as well. Everybody say that. God is building. You know, it's astounding. I, there's, there's very few of us, but there's a number of us that have had the privilege and the opportunity for the last 23 years to be a part of this church and to look back as to all that God has done through this church. It was, it was funny, in the, um, just right before the service, we have intercessory team, and we had a number of brand new people joining our intercessory dream teams this morning. Uh, and I was, I was telling some of our new, these are new people to our church and really to our teams, and I was, I was recounting where we were. I said, we're doing prayer in here, but I want you, this is where we actually used to have church, like in this small, tiny room over there in the Connections building where there was a bathroom connected and nobody went to the bathroom. <laughs> and, um, and it's amazing as I just, look back over God's faithfulness from us being in a Holiday Inn, literally with a handful of people, to where we are today with so many people, three campuses, and many more campuses to come. Um, it's a bit humbling. But when you get to be a part of what God's building, it's such an honor. And God is truly building his church. And we see this in scripture. Um, no man is building his church. It's the only reason why the church has lasted for thousands and thousands of years, because it was never built by man. It was always built by God. And, and by the way, no matter if any pastor comes or goes, the church will still be built by God. And I, I want you to see with me in scripture, in Matthew chapter 16, it says this. This was when Jesus was, was, was asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? And some of the guys are going, well, they say you're John the Baptist. They say you're a prophet. They say you're this. And then he looks at Peter specifically, and he says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter looks at him and says, well, you're the Christ. You're the son of God. And he says, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. Like, my father in heaven revealed that to you. And based off of that revelation, based off of that, of who I am, Jesus, the Messiah, God in flesh, based off of that revelation of who I am, he says, now I say to you that you are Peter. Now, this guy's name was Simon. So in that moment, Jesus changes his name from Simon, which meant little pebble, to Peter, which means rock. And he says, and upon this rock, what does he say? I'm going to build my church. And, and, and not only is he going to build his church, he says this, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Nothing will conquer this church. The rock, the foundation of a great church, how many know is not a name? The foundation of a great church is not a building, it's not a pastor, it's not a program. The foundation of a great church is the revelation and the commitment to Jesus Christ as the rock and the foundation of it all. That is the rock. And people wanna know, what is our Savior's church all about? Ready? I'm gonna give you a really good answer here. So simple, Jesus like, what's that church all about? All about Jesus. We love Jesus. We preach Jesus. We follow Jesus. We obey Jesus. We give our lives to Jesus. We want to be more like Jesus. And I am so consumed with more and more people knowing this Jesus. Because when you meet this Jesus, your life never is the same. 
Jesus is the rock, he is the foundation, and he is building his church, and he has the potential to radically change your life. And if you came in here this morning, and you're like, I'm not even quite sure why I'm here, I just want you to know you're here because of Jesus. You're like, no, I'm here because of Patty. No, Patty got used by God to get you here. It's Jesus, okay? Just want you to know. I don't know if there's a Patty here, but I just want you to know that you are here because God has called you here. And... And ultimately, you need to hear this. You can't fix yourself. You can't help yourself. You can't earn your way to God. You can't forgive yourself. Jesus Christ is the only one who can forgive you, cleanse you, redeem you, and give you a hope and a future, Jesus and Jesus alone. And so it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And, and Jesus says, I'm gonna build my church. And so every church that you see around the world, they, they are his churches. Now the question or not is whether the pastors who are leading that church are allowing God to lead his church or if they want it for self-glory. But God says, I'm gonna build my church. And when it comes to the church, we're so passionate about it because not only are you called to be in God's church, and to be God's church, the reason is, is because Jesus loves his church, Jesus died for this church, and how many know the world needs this church? Y'all all agree with that? How many know the world needs church? Now, before we get all hung up on church, and uh, oftentimes we, we're in a, a, a Western mindset of when we think of church, we think of a place or we think of um, a building, you know, I'm going to church. Uh, let me tell you about my church, and oftentimes we could be talking about a, a location, but when Jesus was always talking about the church, he was never talking about a place, he was never talking about services, he was always talking about a people. And so one of the things we say around here a lot is church is not a place you go to, it's a spiritual family you belong to. And, and so I want you to look with me in First Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 5, he says this. This is what Peter says. That same Peter that Jesus says, hey, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. You're no longer going to be called Simon. You're going to be called Peter now. That same Peter wrote this. He said this. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. Christ is the cornerstone He's the foundation. The cornerstone was the first stone. It was the essential stone. Because if you got the cornerstone wrong, the building was wrong. But if you got the cornerstone right, everything was right. Everything rested upon the cornerstone. And it says Christ is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And here we go. And everybody help me with this. And you are... You are living stones that God is building. And what is he building? He's building it into a spiritual temple. He's building it into a spiritual family. He's building it into a spiritual house. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, hey, listen, every person that's in this room, every person that's watching online, you are not manufactured bricks from Acme. You are living stones. You have been hewed. You have been designed. You have been uniquely designed. Think about this church just for a minute. Just take a look around. Everybody looks uniquely different. 
God has not just called all the same people with the same counsel, I mean, with the same opinions, with the same looks, with the same opinions, with the same perspectives, with the same age. I mean, no, you look across our church right now, different perspective, different races, different ages, different backgrounds, different education. Why? Because we're all living stones. And God takes all of these crazy living stones and he says, let me put them all together. Look how beautiful this building is going to look because you've got all of this difference that's happening, that every stone is unique. And so God is, what is God building? When he's building his church, if God is building his church, what is he building? He's building a people. He's building us into a spiritual temple. God's temple, a spiritual temple. You and I coming together, we form a spiritual temple. Now, you look throughout scripture, the idea of temple is a, is a big deal. And in the Bible, God would often bring his people to significant moments. God's people always came to this place where he was asking them to take a step together. Think about this. When God's people, when God wanted his people to cross the Jordan, he gathered his people together and he says, hey, listen, everybody's gonna have to get their feet wet. We've all gotta go in together. And imagine the people that were on the front row of it, the first. Like those guys really got their feet wet to walk through the River Jordan. But God said, hey, we're going to all do this together. Think about when they finally did cross the Jordan. They're going on their way to the promised land, but they come to a, a, a city named Jericho. And God speaks to them and says, here we are. We're at another defining moment. This is what we're going to do. And I can imagine Joshua standing in front of the people going, this is what the Lord said. We're going to walk around the building seven times, around the whole city seven times, and you can't say a word. Good luck with that. <laughs> Nobody can say a word. You got to walk around it seven times, and then on, on the seventh time, on the seventh day, we're all going to shout, and then what's going to happen? I don't know. We're going to wait and see. That's just what God told me to do, but we're going to have to do it together. Everybody say Together. Like, we're going to have to do this together. It wasn't just Joshua walking by himself. Anybody goes, go get it, Joshua. We believe in you. Joshua said, no, 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 listen, we're all going to do this together. We went through the Jordan together. We came out of slavery together. And now we face this Jericho together. And we're going to all walk. And we know they do it. They obey. And they shout. And they scream. And the walls come falling down. All throughout Scripture, you see God bringing his people to significant faith step moments. Another very unique one, and that's the one that I want to bring us to today, um, is, is going to be in 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29. But how many know it didn't just happen in the Old Testament? We're going to talk about that. But how many know in the New Testament, when God wanted to pour out his spirit on his people, he gathered his people together in an upper room and said, hey, let's pray and let's worship and let's go to the Lord. And how many know when they did that together, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came down. How many of y'all felt that this morning? The spirit of the Lord just coming down as we were singing, as we were worshiping, just being in our midst. This is what happens. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, they've come to another moment. And it's a moment when God is calling his people to no longer set up and, and tear down. They had a set up and tear down church in a sense. They would set up this tent and tabernacle and God would come and he, and he, would, he would be with them and, and then they would move and they would set up and tear down and set up and tear down. And so finally they were like, no more portable church. <laughs> uh, God understands portable church, so Crowley does too. 
God calls to David and says, I, I, I want a house of worship. I want, a, I want an actual temple, temple made of stone, of brick. And so God uh, speaks to uh, David this, but David, due to uh, some of his own disobedience and due to some things that he did not do what God called him to do, God tells David, you're not going to build it. Your son's going to build it, Solomon. And so David gets the instructions from the Lord of what Solomon's called to do. And, uh, and, and I want us to look at it in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 1 through 6. And then we're going to look through verses 9 through 11. It says this, then King David turned to the entire assembly and he said, so this is, this is everybody. Everybody say everybody. everybody. Turns to the entire assembly, to all of God's people. And he says this, my son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. I love that first off by the, fact, by the way that that's in the Bible because I think oftentimes we buy into a lie that you've got to be old and you've got to have some experience for God to use you. How many know you can be young and experienced as long as you're willing, God can use you? That's why you walk down this hallway and you come to a big old wall at the end of this hallway in our, in our kids' room and it says, you don't have to wait to be great. God can still use you in an amazing way. And you wonder why there's so many young people in this church that God is using in amazing ways? Let me tell you why. Because I was once one of them myself. And someone believed in me. And someone gave me an opportunity. How many of you want God to say that over your children and some, someone to see it? Someone to see that. Isaac, how old are you? 16. We just had a 16-year-old just lead us into the presence of God. Come on, somebody. That's not normal. Y'all realize that, right? But when the anointing is on you, I don't care what your age is, God can use you powerfully. He can use you powerfully. And David goes, hey, listen, I know my son's going to be the next king. Hey, listen, he's young. He's a little dumb. Just letting you know. He's not the most intelligent guy that's out there. He's kind of inexperienced. But here's the difference. Ready? Here's the difference. God's chosen him. And how many know when God chooses you, it don't matter what any man says? And so he says, hey, we gotta, we're going to we're gonna have to build a temple. I'm putting it in my son's hands. God's calling my son to do it. He's still young and he's inexperienced, but God has chosen him to lead and to build. And look what the next verse says. And, and here's, here's what you need to know, everybody. Remember, it's, it's an everybody moment. The work ahead of him is what? It's enormous. It's huge. That gives you some confidence, doesn't it? He's young and inexperienced, and we got a lot of work ahead of us. For the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. David is telling all of these people, hey, what God is calling us all to build together is nothing small. It is grand, it is great, and it's going to take a lot of work, and it's going to take a lot of effort. And how many know the vision that God has given us as a church is grand, it's great, and it's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of work. As you see what God wants you to do, it's going to take everyone being a part of it. And David reminds them that what they are building is not for their glory, that it is for God's glory. This is what we're building. It is for the Lord God himself. So we're going to build this temple, but I just want you to know it's not for us, y'all. This is for God. God's called us. God's chosen him, and we get to be a part of it. How incredible it is that God invites us to be a part of what he's doing, of what he's building. 
How many know God could build it without you? Right? Could he not? He could do anything without you and I. But he chooses to partner with us, to invite us into the story. See, let's do this together. So in our time together, I want to answer this question. How do we partner with God to build his church? Now, you got to remember, we're not building the church. God's building his church. But we do get to partner with him in building the church. And I want to give you three thoughts. Three thoughts. We're not going to be long today because I'm going to show you a video in just a minute of how God is actually doing this in a family, in our church. But I want to give you three thoughts on how we as a church partner together with God to build his church. Number one, it starts with devotion to God. It begins with devotion to God. Look with me in verse, in the next verse it says this. And using, this is David, King David says, and using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. And now, because of my, everybody help me, devotion to the temple of my God. Here's, here's what I know. Whatever you love, whatever you're devoted to, you will invest your time, your talent, and your treasure. I'm telling you, you love your kids, it's where all your money goes. You love your hobbies, it's where all your money goes. You love your status, it's where all your money goes. Whatever you are passionately in love with, whoever you're passionately in love with, all of your investment, all of your time, all of your talent, all of your treasure. And this verse tells us that David sets his heart, he sets his devotion, he sets his resources to building the house of God. Why? Why would he do that? Think about this for a moment. Why would he do that? It's not for him. It's because, watch this, in, in pretty short after this verse, David's gonna die. And David has this revelation. I need to make sure that whatever I'm going to invest in outlasts me. I need to make sure that this next generation has the same opportunity that I had and I'm going to invest in a generation that I'm not a part of because I wanna make sure that my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren can worship God like I did. And so I wanna be obedient to this place. And how many know there's a lot of causes that we could invest our time, our money, and our resources into? There's tons of them. There's incredible uh, um, uh, Agencies that are out there, there's incredible things out there that you can put your money and your time into, but there are a lot of causes out there where we can do that, but there is none greater than the local church. Let me tell you why there's none greater than the local church. Because in the local church, it's not about ROI, it's about EROI. ROI is return on investment. All of us in here, if you have any money whatsoever, if you're putting money into a stock, you're looking for return on investment. If I put my money into this, how much money am I gonna get back? When you have a kingdom and eternity mindset, it's never about RRI, it's always about ERI, which is an eternal return on investment. 
How many know when you look at eternity and realize that everything I have here is going to burn up one day, but I can begin to start storing up treasures in heaven. I can begin to start putting an impact on this earth that will affect heaven. I can begin to invest my, my money, my resources, my time, and my talent in a way that's going to change someone's forever eternity. How many know I want to put everything I got into that more than anything else? More than anything else. And David understood that himself. David could have set up all that for his kids, but he said, no, 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 I'm going to do it in the house of the God because what happens through God's church doesn't just impact lives, it impacts eternity. Whatever God is doing through his church doesn't just impact lives, it impacts eternities. So it starts with a devotion to God. The first thing God desires more than anything is our hearts, our hearts. I want to capture my heart. Second thing. If you want to partner with God, it's going to take personal sacrifice. Not only does it take a devotion to God and to his house and to his people, it takes a personal sacrifice. Look what the next verse says. He says this, David says this, I'm giving all of my own private treasures, all of my gold, all of my silver to help in the construction. And this is in addition to the building materials that I've already collected for his holy temple. So he said, I already provided all of the building materials. I'm going above and beyond now, and I'm gonna pull for my own gold, I'm gonna pull for my own silver, and I'm going to go all in for this. And, and look what verse five says, because now then, who's gonna follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Who's gonna follow my lead? David was a giver. You see this all throughout scripture. He was an incredible giver. But this was a moment that was going to require him not just to be a giver, but it was going to require him to go above and beyond. It was going to require this word, sacrifice. Sacrifice. Y'all know a life of faith is a life of sacrifice? A life of faith is a life of sacrifice. You constantly saying no to self so you can say yes to him. All of life is that. In every area of your life. And we're not just even just talking about in the area of money. How many know it's sometimes a sacrifice of laying down your plans for God's plans? How many know laying down what you want for what he wants? This is where we get the scripture. God, less of me and what? More of you. Hey, you know in order to do that, it's going to take sacrifice. Now watch this. This is the coolest part, I think, this whole story. There is something incredibly significant about this place of where they're going to actually build the temple. Solomon is about to build this temple and this place that they're gonna build it on is incredibly, incredibly spiritual and not coincidental. Watch with me, look with me in Genesis 22. In Genesis 20, 22, in 22 verse two, tongue twister there, a thousand years, almost a thousand years before there was a guy by the name of Abraham, and God called him to do something. Y'all remember what God called him to do? Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and, what's this word? Sacrifice, Sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I'm going to show you. Ready? What mountain do you happen to think that Solomon is about to build the temple on? Mount 
Moriah. This is the place that God called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And this is the place that when Abraham goes to obey, brings his son with all of the wood, goes up the hill, up this mountain, and, and, and Isaac's going, where's the sacrifice? And he's like, you'll see. <laughs> and they build an altar. And they put the wood down. And he ties up his one and only son, his promised son that he had been believing for and trusting God for. And now God was asking him to give up the one thing he had been believing and praying for for so long. And God says, lay it on the altar and you're going to sacrifice it as an honor to me. And in the middle of going to kill his son, the Bible says that an angel stops his hands, provides a ram in that place. And here's the premise of it. Everywhere you and I sacrifice, God always provides. God always provides. And this is a moment in this place where it says this. Look at verse 14 of, of Genesis 22. So Abraham called the name of that place. Everybody help me. What is it? The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Everywhere and every time I go in obedience to the Lord and God says, I want you to do this, and it's a sacrifice for you, just know every time God calls you to sacrifice, he's always got provision on the other side. He's just wanting to know, are you willing to make the sacrifice? It's going to take personal sacrifice. If you want to build what God is building, it's going to take personal sacrifice. I think about the story of Pastor Bob and Miss Tracy literally having to leave Lafayette to come to Jennings. How I many know that's sacrifice? That's sacrifice. Every time we've done anything that we've done in our church, it's taken a level of sacrifice. For the 45 plus of you that joined the dream team to be on the dream team to mean that you've got to show up early, which means you don't just to pop in and pop out, but you're showing up and you're helping and you're serving and you're making coffee. I mean, no, that is sacrifice. But everywhere that you sacrifice for God, God always provides for you. Every single time. I'm telling you, I've been walking with the Lord for so long, and I've seen this in my own life countless times where I've obeyed God and God shows up. I said this two weeks ago. I am incredibly thankful for the handful of families over the past 20 years who have sacrificed and have given to help build this church. Come on, how many of you are thankful for the people who sacrificed? Watch this, watch this. You're sitting in someone else's sacrifice. Take that in for a moment. You're sitting in someone else's sacrifice. This building is completely paid off. And God didn't just like supernaturally put money in our checking account. Like, bring, there you go. You know what it was? Through people sacrificing. That's what it was. Every person stepping up to the plate going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a sacrifice. And if you want to be used by God in a mighty way, you're going to have to be willing to have personal sacrifice in all areas of your life. Number three, what does it take for us to partner with in building God's church? Number three, it takes an all-in heart. Because David challenges his leaders. After he did all this, he looked at them and goes, all right, I did it. Who's in with me? Literally, that's what he does. And notice he doesn't guilt trip any of them. Y'all saw this? I expect you to do that. No, no, no. He says, hey, listen, I am the leader. I'm going first. Who wants to join me? Let's go. And it takes this all in heart. Look at people's response, though. Watch this. Verse 6. Then the family leaders, I love this. 
the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the armies, and the king's administrative officers. So these are all the leaders at this time. Kings, every, every form of government that you can think of, generals, captains, leaders of the tribes, even administrative officers, and they all gave, what's this word? Come on, what's this word? Willingly. Willingly. Now watch, it keeps going though. And the people rejoiced over the offerings for they had been given, here's the word, freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. Everybody say these words with me. Willingly, freely, wholeheartedly. Say it again. Willingly, freely, wholeheartedly. This is huge. Watch this. These are characteristics of people who go all in. Willingly, freely, wholeheartedly. Watch this. Not under obligation, not begrudgingly, not forcefully, not half-heartedly. No. Willingly, freely, wholeheartedly. Willingly, freely, wholeheartedly. So this goes against every single person that says, well, that church is just after my money. Nope. Not at all. Because God is 100% after your heart. But he realizes this. I'm going to tell you right now. He realizes this. Usually to get to your heart, he's got to get to your money. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. So if you've got a money issue, it's usually because you've got a heart issue. And God says, if you want to join in with what I'm doing, you want to help build my church, hey, listen, you're going to have to have an all-in heart. You're going to have to have a, a heart that wants, wants to give, wants to serve, wants to love willingly. I can't believe he's doing this. If you feel that way, don't. Please don't. Because here's what I know. If you just have a willing small, you can still accomplish great things. Hey, last time I checked, there was 12 men who changed the world. And only 12. Y'all with me? You know what the only difference was? They were willing, they were free, and they were wholehearted. Say, let's go in for all that God has. Now watch what happens when they do this. It says, and King David was filled with joy. So he literally just had a meeting. He said, hey, we're going to all come together. He cast this vision. He said, this is what I feel like the Lord's calling us to do. Hey, I just wanted to start off and say, I took the first step. This is what I've given. Who's going to follow me? And all of a sudden, all the people begin to follow him. And it says he was filled with joy. And then David, watch this. What does he do? Come on, what does he do? Praise the Lord. Notice he doesn't praise the people. They're the one who gave. No, 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 he says, no, no, I've realized this. No, no, I need to praise the Lord in the presence of this whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestors, Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Watch, he goes on and he says this. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. And everybody help me with this. And everything in the heavens and on earth, come on, is yours. Say that again. Everything in heaven and on earth. Is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom, and we adore you as the one who is over all things. How many know when there's obedience and there's sacrifice, there's joyful worship to the Lord? 
joyful worship to who he is. It's never been about building uh, uh, buildings. It's always been about building hearts and building people that fill this building. Listen to me, church. Listen, 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 listen. It's all God's anyways. All of it. How many know everything we have is from him and for him? Everything we have is from him and for him. So, um, yet again, I can always preach this, but I think it's so much better when you can see this. We can see what does this actually look like. And so I want to share a story. Some of you know, many of you maybe in here don't know, or at least you don't know the backstory to this. So take a moment. Let's check this out. 2017, from the outside looking in, you know, successful family. Uh, I, I had a great career. I was in the, you know, in the process of having a good career in the oil field. I'd been in the oil field since I was 19 years old, and, you know, making six figures. And she was at home, had a really good job at home. And we, from the outside looking in, everything was awesome. But from the inside and behind closed doors, it was not awesome. Things were separate. He did his thing, I did my thing. Our marriage wasn't unified. A lot of things uh, came to light in a very short period. There was an affair, that we had. A, there was an affair that took place and so we, our marriage was about as low as a marriage can get. Uh, we've been just it, really, really bad situations and the guy I was working with said, man, look, there's a, there's a preacher man with a black beard and black frame glasses. In Jennings, it's just pulling a lot of people. We're sitting on a platform out in the out in White Lake, and I get on my phone and, and I just searched church in Jennings. Mm-hmm. The Our Savior's churches were, were they were doing the 21 day prayer and fasting, and I started watching them and watching them, and I was like, man, is this what church looks like? Yeah. So I ended up messaging Pastor Josh with questions. Maybe the first first or so week in February came down, and. We walked through the doors and it was just like home. Oh, we were like blown. One of y'all saw us, grabbed us, <laughs> brought us right into the dream team room, like cleared the dream team room out. Pastor Jacob was there. It's the first time I ever met him. And he prayed over me and listened. Pastor Jacob said divine circumstances in his prayer. And for me, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, that, that was the day that I gave my life to the Lord. It was March 18th. When I gave my life to the Lord, it wasn't just me raising my hand. I went from a broken man to a restored man in that moment. And knowing, because a whole lot of pain followed that moment, <laughs> knowing that it's not a broken Stephen anymore. This is a restored Stephen. And I can remember me and Alyssa on the way home, we were like, what just happened? <laughs> this was it. It was what? the feeling of we might have found what was missing. The conversations just we had about, you know, being dedicated to attend and like just really go all in with it we knew that we needed to do something different we didn't know what that looked like we didn't know really the dedication it would take but we decided okay if if we're gonna stick this out if we're gonna make this work if we're gonna be different and do different like we're gonna have to go all in we're gonna have to give it a hundred percent even when we don't feel like it the 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 common denominator though is that we were both hungry for Mm -hmm. We were hungry for our Savior. We drove eight months, two hours here, sometimes stayed both services, or at the time, maybe it was three services. We're all in this way, like we're coming for eight months. We need to be here. So ended up starting to pack our house up. (laughs) Not even 
looking for houses yet, but began to pack things in our house and just really trusted God to provide a way. I think one of the biggest things that surprised us is maybe we were about two years in to being all in, to coming, like we were living here, serving, doing life groups. And I wanna believe we got connected with somebody who, you know, was going through relationship troubles. And our, our initial thoughts were like, why us? Like, why, yeah. why are they being sent our way? You know, we're still in that phase of healing and restoration and figuring things out and learning to do things God's way. And then, you know, all of a sudden, like, oh, you want, you want us to help? Yep. Why? You know, that's the question. Why do you need me? You know? And I think it was just a kickstart of what God wanted to use us for right. and to show that even though you're broken and even though you're still healing, God can still use you. Probably about three years ago, I very clearly heard God say that he was going to be a pastor. But it's kind of one of those things I tucked in the back of my mind and I was like, okay, well then I'll just go ahead and start preparing for that whenever the time comes. And so, and I think I even told you about it. You did. I was like, no way. <laughs> and that was the exact reaction. In summer of, was it 21? He came home and said, you're not going to believe the conversation I just had with Pastor Jamie. And I was like, okay, tell me all about it. This is great. And so he was like, he asked me, what would you think if we offered you a role as a pastor? And I was like, why are you surprised? <laughs> Yeah. I was like, didn't I tell you this two years ago? God told me this would happen. Just knew the why. After looking back at everything that had happened, at where we were, at all we have gone through, and then all the growth that had taken place, like we knew why. Yeah. We have a lot of people walking in the doors, searching for the same things that we were searching for. But we've also got so many that are willing to help in that, that want to see these people know Jesus, that want to see these people get connected into relationships that are gonna be life-changing. Because yes, Jesus is the one that changes our hearts and we have to surrender that to him, but people have played the largest role in our life. Our girls, I think about how different their life is than, than my life was as a child. You know, coming from broken homes, uh, both of us actually, not really having oh, people teach me how to have a relationship with God, but my kids have that now. Like people pour into them, they love them, they show them the love of Christ. And so I'm super grateful for that. Everything has changed in our marriage. I tell people literally the only thing is the same and it's even not that like is the way we look. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's nothing the same about our marriage now compared to what it was five minutes. Even though we don't have it perfect, God still wants to use us. And it's just us saying yes and willing to be used. So I wanna close out today. Actually, I wanna invite my wife up here. I don't believe it's a matter of if we should give. I think it's just a matter of how. God, how are you calling us into this? And I wanna give us three thoughts today, um, three ways that we give. Number one, we give with gratitude. Anybody in here grateful for the grace and the mercy of God of what he's done in your life, anybody here? 
so grateful. If you look back over your life and just see how God's provided, the resources that he's provided, the way that God has just shown up in incredible ways, our life story is so much of that. There's so much great gratefulness that we have. Our son is still alive. We are so blessed. God is doing so many great, incredible things. We get the honor of doing this, what we love the most. I'm so grateful. Number two, we give by faith. Because I know how people are, like, I don't know what I can do. I don't think I really can. Well, that's why it's faith. Now, God's never called us to be in a place of debt. God's never called us to give more than what we can. But God has always called us to give what is in our hands. And sometimes that's a moment of faith. Lindsay and I were even just having this conversation of like, we're asking the Lord, God, what do you want us to give? And, and I'm gonna just tell you how it is. She's like, well, how much do we have? How much do, anybody here, you kind of have that? How much do we got? How much can we, how much can we afford? How much? Like, no, 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 it, it, that's not the question. The question is, God, what do you wanna do through us? And then God, we wanna have faith to step into that. It's always a faith moment. It's always a faith moment. God's stretching you in there. And then last is we give together. We are in everyone church. I told you in week one, my goal for, for Reach and Build was 100% participation from all those who call OSC home. That we would, be, we would do this all together. No one would be left out. It's not about equal gifts. It's always about equal sacrifice. Always. Some people will come up here and you will give $2 and that is literally what you have. I literally had someone text me today and said, I, don't, I, I can't give today. I literally, literally don't have anything. I said, that's not, that's not what it's about. It's about the heart to want to do that. Can you trust God that if God gets something to you, can he get through you? And he's like, absolutely. I said, okay. Well, then let's trust God to get it to us because we do this together. We do this together. So I want you to do this. If, if you're sitting down, I want you to grab one of these envelopes that's right here. It looks a little bit like this. I'm going to ask you to, to be a part of this with us. Um, now, you only need one of these per family. Um, but here's where we're at. Some of you, maybe this is your first time. You're like, I don't even know what's going on. We are expanding um, our church here in Jennings. We're not only adding our three services, but we're gonna be uh, upgrading our lobby. We're expanding our handicap parking. We're gonna be doing upgrades here at our, at our campus just to try to help reach more people, facilitate more conversations for people, create a better place for people to connect. Our Eunice campus is literally expanding their worship center to fit another 50 to 60 chairs. So they're breaking walls down. Our Crowley campus has finally got a home. And I've made a commitment to them that we're going to get them in this. And so let me tell you what's, th this is where the urgency is. They have two months to do construction, then they've got to be in. And so we have two months to literally raise this God gap to get them in and to make all these things start happening. And our God gap is $300,000. It's a huge deal. Uh, no one, one person in here can do it. If you can, I haven't met you, please come talk to me. Um, <laughs> but even if we did... I still would call all of us to do this together because God is in the together moments. And so um, if, you, if you look on this, this um, if you open up this giving envelope, um, there's a place right here called Legacy. This is what this goes to. We have our regular tithe, which we did earlier, but there's a legacy thing in here, and this is Legacy. If you're giving online, you'll see that as well. You'll see it says Legacy, Reach and Build. And uh, maybe today you, um, you're gonna give online. You can just still write in the legacy what you're planning on doing, or maybe you can't today. 
He's like, I'm just, I'm gonna write this in faith. This is what I'm gonna believe. Just put it on here. If you're given check or cash, of course, you can just put it in this envelope. And then in just a minute, I'm gonna pray. And then we're going to have a worship moment where all of us come and, and bring our, our offering to the front. Now, if you don't feel comfortable, you don't wanna do that, that's fine. You can stay seated, perfectly good. But, um, but I want this to be an all-in moment. We're gonna worship together and we're gonna give together. We'll start here on the front rows and then just row by row, come down the middle and then circle back together. And so would you do this? Um, would you just stand right there where you are? And let's just pray. Let's just ask the Lord God, what do you wanna do? Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have today to give back to your house for the devotion of the building of your home. God, we know that it's never been about bricks and mortar and buildings. God, your passion is so much for people. But God, we realize that it takes these buildings in order to reach more people. And so God, I pray today, Lord, that as we come and as we give, not only are we giving you our greatest gift, but we're also giving you our greatest need. Because I believe, God, everywhere there's sacrifice, you provide. You provide. And so, Lord, I just pray for supernatural provision. God, I pray for wayward sons and daughters. Lord, those, God, that are, are sowing in faith even right now, God, for maybe uh, for prodigal sons or daughters or husbands or wives or coworkers or family members, God, as we're giving today, Lord, we give, Lord, believing that you're going to reach that person, that person. So, Lord, we thank you for the honor today that we have to give to you. Lord, we pray, God, that you would bless it, you would multiply it, you would meet the need beyond anything that we could ever ask or think or imagine according to the power that works in us. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen.